Good morning, church. Would you stand with us this morning as we declare and as we have a foundation knowing that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Anytime our physical strength is gone, we can rely upon Him. So we're going to teach you this new song as we rely on the Lord as our strength. This is the day you made. So why will you rejoice and be glad? Rejoice and be glad in this. This is where I believe that you are more than enough, more than enough for me. You are faithful to your promise. You are strong when I am weak. When I'm standing in your presence. Thank you. 
wasn't holding you up So there's nothing I can do to let you down It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud I'll never be more loved than I am right now Forever and up, always and up, more than it. 
In 2021, we did a cool thing, my husband and I, and we bought my childhood home that my dad had built from my parents. We decided we would work on it ourselves to save money and get some good old sweat equity. Well, it ended up needing way more structural repairs than we thought. And as we opened up the walls, it became clear that this was going to be a huge project. Everyone's favorite question to ask me these days is, when is your house going to be done? Or how soon do you think you'll be able to move in? Delayed gratification is a nearly extinct concept today because it requires patience and waiting, character traits and behavior we rarely see or practice anymore. I feel like I'm always waiting these days. It's been a painful, frustrating, and very stressful process at times on our whole family. And I can't help but think of how we regularly ask God as he works on us, when are you gonna be done working on me? How soon until I don't have to go through this pain anymore? But it's been in the waiting that I've learned so much. I've learned, we, like we sang in Jaira, that he's more than enough. I've learned to be content in every circumstance. I've learned that the restore process is slow and painful, but produces such beauty in the end. I've learned that he's working on our character in amazing ways, and he's teaching me patience and to rely on him on a daily basis. So, even though it seems like it may take forever, I know that when it's done, it's going to be an amazing place to live. To live life and share, share with family and friends, gatherings, meals, and conversations to be had, I can't hardly wait. In Psalm 24, 17, says, Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. I don't know if you're waiting on something, on the Lord for something this morning. Maybe it's a diagnosis, a pregnancy, test results, a prodigal child, or maybe it's even just waiting for freedom from depression anxiety or fear whatever it is he is the chain breaker amen this morning as we sing this song would you just lift a hallelujah to him in the waiting knowing that he is sovereign
Love you. 
You mean uh, down on the, the field level? No, 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 no please. Uh, that, that's too dangerous. Why? Me, the owner of the Cubs, sitting down with the fans? They'd kill me. You're right. Oh, don't tell me they're bringing in... Shaky outing yesterday. Martinell is showing confidence in the rookie by bringing him in. I gotta be out of my mind. We at Pepsi really think Henry could be the choice of a new generation. If Henry can show Pepsi that he's a winner, we'll sign him. Talk to him, Chen. Please. What do you want me to say? You've been working with him. Talk to him. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. He gets to talk to Chen Stedman. Whoa, what a lucky guy. Don't listen to him, Hank. He's a loser. What are you doing out here? Well, what am I supposed to do? Deal from your have to. My, 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 my what? What are you... The have to. Are you, are you speaking English? The have to is what you use when you're afraid. Okay. Okay, you got it? Listen to me. Okay. Everybody is half win and half lose. Okay. The lose half is afraid. Right. The winning half is fearless. Fearless. Right. The have to is inside. It's where the fear lives. Oh, okay. Okay? Could you start over again? Oh, let's play ball. The have to. Let's see it. I have to. What the heck was I talking about? 
What the heck was he talking about? So what'd you tell him? You wouldn't understand. Do you have someone or somebody in your life that encourages, even exhorts you to deal from your have to? Uh, welcome to Camarillo Community Church. My name is David Hurtado. In case you're new to us, maybe you're not familiar with me, I'm the lead pastor here, and we are excited that you're hanging out with us, whether you're online, on the patio, in the video venue, wherever you might be uh, catching us today. We're excited that you're with us. And whether you've been here for one month, one year, or 10 years, I think you're going to appreciate the focus of our message this morning that God can and does meet us at our point of need, as we just saw Gary Busey tell this young man and be for this young man. Before we dive into um, our message today, I wanna just highlight that it's a wonderful time to be a part of our church, Camp CC. Uh, we are hitting a year, a very pivotal year for us. It's a year of construction for us. It's a year of building for us. And we need you to continue to pray that God would continue to give us favor with the city. We uh, just this week had the city uh, on our campus. The fire department had to come and clear our fire hydrants. Our fire hydrants have to have a steady flow of water in case we were ever to have a fire. And so we are literally praying in strong water pressure onto our campus so that we don't have any holdups along the way. And if you'll continue to pray with us on things of that nature, we can get moving closer and closer to the day where we can put a spade in the ground and get going. And so uh, we are so excited about that. Not only that, we're seeing an influx of a lot of young new families to our church. I met a family last weekend uh, that was here, uh, kind of new to our church, and I asked them, and I asked you to do the same thing. If you're new to us, please come and say hello. Tell me how you heard about us and all those type of things. I'd love to kind of interact with you on the patio. And they said, uh, Pastor David, we're here, we're new, and we were invited by three different young families apart from knowing that each other were inviting us. Three separate young families inviting us, and we're so excited to be here because there's so many things for young families to do, and I'm like, tell me what these things are that we can do for young families, because I have like teenagers, and one of them's off in college, and I'm like, so what do we do for young families? I don't even know. Thank you, Chelsea Hernandez, wherever you are. You are an amazing lady. <laughs> And they said, yeah, we've been invited, we've been invited, there's so many things to do here, all those type of things. And I go, you don't know how much of a blessing and encouragement it is for me to hear that. And they're like, why? I go, well, when I got here seven years ago, the prevailing concern was that we were missing a demographic in our church family, and that demographic that we were missing was young families. And so you are an answer to prayer as the two of them, early to mid-30s, kids under the age of five years old, and uh, we're seeing an influx of that. It's a great time to be a part of our church because of that. And I'll just say this. With that uh, comes needs and opportunities along the way. We were in our staff meeting last week, and Sam was talking about this is going to be the year of the volunteer for me. We keep on getting these kids and more kids, new kids, new families, and I'm going to need more people to help. She'll be out in the patio in some kind of a configuration, as I understand it, that will let you know that she is our children's director. And we would love to, if you are feeling God's call to help us come serve, a, 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 serve one hour and celebrate one hour. Celebrate and worship. Think of it that way. I'm going to serve one hour. I'm going to celebrate the other hour. Um, we would love to, to have you funnel into our children's ministry. Even our early childhood is suffering the same plight. So please 
Take a look at that and consider that. Well, we just watched a, a movie or a movie click from the movie Rookie of the Year. The year is 1993. Who remembers this? It's a part of their childhood. Absolutely, it's a great movie, right? And it's about this young boy. He's about 12 years old. He finds out that he has a fastball that rivals the major leaguers. How does that happen? Well, uh, it's a fictitious story, a narrative of, uh, of sorts where, where he's playing baseball, loves baseball. In fact, his, his, his childhood uh, dream would be to play for the Chicago Cubs. He's playing out in the backyard. Uh, he dives for a catch and breaks his arm. As his arm heals, it heals so tightly that he can now throw 100 miles an hour. He finds this out because he's at a baseball game in the, in the bleacher section at Wrigley Field. Anybody ever been to Wrigley Field? Bucket list thing, I've been there. I just went there a couple years ago. It was awesome. Uh, anyway, my Giants won. Anyway, so um, we, 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 uh, he, he, he finds out as he's in the bleachers and there's a home run hit by the opposing team and as is the tradition at Wrigley Field, if the opposing team hits a home run, the crowd starts chanting, throw it back, throw it back, and you are to say in symbolic, a symbolic gesture of I don't want the souvenir, I'd rather have nothing than have that as my souvenir. And he's sitting in the stands, a home run is hit, and they start chanting, throw it back. He throws it back, but when he throws it back, it goes all the way to home plate, 435 feet away. And everybody starts taking notice. Who's that kid in the stands who can throw a laser from the outfield bleachers to home plate? And so they decide to sign him, and there we get into our storyline. He signs with the Cubs, and now he's pitching for the Cubs. He's a young, young boy, 12, 13 years old, and so he's not prepared for the anxiety and the fear that would come while pitching in front of tens of thousands of people in the major leagues. And that's why they send Gary Busey out there to calm him down, to get him to be able to pitch. And as he gets out there, as we saw... He encourages him to deal from his have-to. It's kind of the iconic line of the movie, deal from your have-to. What is the have-to? The have-to's inside of you. What does this mean? <laughs> I mean, it, it's where you're fearless inside. You gotta deal from your have-to. <laughs> Have you ever had a friend who had the right words said at the right time, just the right time, to help you get through whatever it is you're going through? That's what these words meant to this boy in this movie picture. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to watch it. Watch it with your kids. It's a pretty, I think it's a pretty wholesome movie as I remember it. Um, but today we'll be looking at how God uses people in our lives in his plan to rescue us in times of need. Who does he use and how does he use them? Who becomes the mouthpiece of God and where is the hand of God in the midst of all this? How might we expect God to speak to us in our lives, and how might we see him move in our lives? For that, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 23. I'd love for you to open your Bible. Go there right now. 1 Samuel chapter 23. We'll be looking at verses 15 through 29. We are in the midst of investigating lights in here that will give us that dim look, but keep it bright. And as soon as we can figure that piece out, we'll actually take the verses off the screens and allow you to bring your Bibles and dive in with us because we want to value getting our hands on and our eyes on our copy of the Word of God. So go to 1 Samuel chapter 23 together as we look at verses 15 to 29. Our, our title of the message today is Dealing from Your Have To. Everybody says, Dealing from Your Have To. 
dealing from your have to. That's right. How might God come through for us in times of desperate need is the overarching question. How might God come through for us in times of desperate need? And the first thing we're going to see is he might come through for us through the words of a good friend. He might come through for us through, through the words of a godly friend, a Christian friend who is there to help you see things when things are kind of going back and forth and just see the end game of what God might be doing in your life. How might God come through for us in times of desperate need? Uh, he might come through for us through the words of a godly friend. I want you to see this in uh, chapter, uh, verses 15 through 18. Watch as I read. It says, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, has been the story of the last several chapters, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in, at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. I'd love for you to highlight that, underline that, uh, uh, underscore that some way, circle it, and strengthen his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be a king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. And Saul, my father, also knows this. That's why he's working so hard in self-preservation strategy to stop it. And the two of them made a covenant before God. They've done this before and remained at Horesh, or David remained at Horesh, and, and, and Jonathan went home. How might God come through for us in times of desperate need? Well, number one, he might come through for you through the words of a godly friend. Do you have a friend in your life who encourages you to deal from your have to? Do you have a friend in your life who encourages you in the midst of the lowness of life to say, keep on walking toward Jesus? Keep on heading in that direction. You're going the right path. Just because there's a lot of tumultuousness in this path doesn't mean that it's not God's will for your life. Keep on walking forward, one step in front of the other with the target of Jesus. Do you have that friend in your life? Jonathan comes to strengthen the hand of David according to the word of God. Uh, strengthen his hand in God. What does this mean? It means that he came to strengthen his confidence and dependence on God. Do you have that friend? The friend whose sole job is to encourage you to consider that you should remain confident persevere, remain dependent upon God. Do you have that friend? Encourage you to stay strong in your faith. He needed encouragement from somebody who, like him, is trusting God. Please tell me that, that, that even though I'm on the run and I'm living in caves, and, and last week I saved a city from, from despair and destruction because God told me to, and what did they do? They handed me over to the enemy. Like, please tell me that although everything's crashing down on me in my life, that I'm still heading in the right direction. Maybe I did something wrong. Did I veer off somewhere? Do you have that friend that says, no, remain confident and dependent on God. Stay strong in your faith. Someone who provides you reassurance in the midst of all the difficulty. I would say David was somebody who needed encouragement. <laughs> Literally, uh, two weeks ago, we saw that he inquired of God, should I save this town? The enemy is attacking. I'm not the king of Israel. Do I go or do I not go? God says, go. And then he asks, when I go and I, and I, and I, 
liberate them, so to speak, will they surrender me to Saul? And the answer is yes. Go liberate them even though they will surrender you to Saul. He needed his hand to be strengthened in the midst of what he's going through. I didn't answer this. I mean, God came to me and anointed me as king, and now the king is mad and wants to take me out. I didn't ask to be king. Strengthen your confidence in the Lord. Depend on the Lord. Stay strong in your faith. Be reassured God has concern. The Lord has concern over you and your situation. You're on the right path. Keep on walking forward. Do you have that friend? By the way, there's multiple ways that, that Jonathan does that. We, we see, starting in verse 17, he says to him, Do not fear, for the hand of the Saul, my father, he, that his, the hand of Saul will not find you, and you shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father knows this. And finally, they make a covenant together kind of validating covenants they've had in the past. Multiple ways that Jonathan goes and strengthens the hand of David or strengthens his confidence in God. The first way is by reminding him of who's sovereign. He reminds him that God is sovereign. Don't fear, for Saul won't find you. Do you know why he won't find you? Because God won't let him find you. You are not to fear in this. God is the sovereign one. Saul may be king and think he's reigning and has sovereign control of things, but there is one true sovereign one, is God Almighty, and he will not allow Saul to find you. God won't let it happen. Number two, he reminds them of his standing before God. Uh, you will be king by the way, I won't oppose you in that as the prince heir to the kingdom. I will be alongside of you. You will be king. I'll be alongside of you. You will be king. I will not oppose as the heir to the kingdom. Even my father knows these things. How do I know this? Well, it's already been dictated by God. He's the one who anointed you. Therefore, it has to happen. Saul can't find you because if, if he finds you, I'll take you out. And if he finds you and takes you out, then you can't be king. And God said you would be king. Therefore, because of your standing before the sovereign one, you can know that you're safe. He's sovereign and in control and all-powerful. You have a standing before him that he has said he would take care of you. It has to happen that way. So he reminds them of the sovereignty of God. He reminds them of his own standing before God. And then thirdly, he reminds him of his, com of his commitment to him. You, you do remember, David, that we made a covenant together, and let's, let's renew that covenant. It's a modern-day expression of a contractual obligation. I'm contractually obligated to you. points him to the Lord in two very strong theological arguments, and then Jonathan finally says, I have a personal commitment to you, David, and I will not leave you in the midst of this. We'll walk through this together. And when you become king, I'll be along your side, not trying to battle you for the kingdom, but aiding you in your kingdom. Ironically enough, this is the last time David and Jonathan would meet we see Jonathan later being killed with his father, but God would use that last interaction to encourage David to continue on the path of the purposes of God. 
And the applicational point here is, I would argue that every one of us needs a godly friend to do the same thing. Someone who is in the Lord to encourage you in the Lord, because if they're not in the Lord, it's hard for them to encourage you to do something that they themselves are not experiencing. Someone who will strengthen your hand in God, a believer who does this. Someone who will remind you of God's sovereignty in the midst of what you're going through. It takes a believer to understand that. Someone who will remind you of your standing before God even when you're going through difficulty. It takes a believer who will be able to tell you, you do realize that as a child of God, that means there's only 80 to 100 years on this earth. 110 if we're lucky. Most of us are not that lucky. And afterwards is paradise. Eternity with God. And so even if he doesn't deliver you from your present circumstances that you're dealing with right now, he does deliver you because you will be in the presence of God, very God, for eternity, where there's no sin, no pain, no tears, no regret. He will deliver, and somebody has to come alongside you to remind you of that, that your standing before God means that you ultimately will be delivered. He may deliver you in this present circumstance. I don't know. I hope he does. To the glory of God if he does. But that is just a small representation of how he will deliver every believer child of God as we spend eternity with him. Someone to remind you of your standing before God through the difficult times. And finally, someone who will express an undying commitment to you while you're going through the difficulty. Four things. We all need a friend to strengthen our hand in God. A, a, a friend who will... Who will um, Open our eyes to the sovereignty of God even in the difficult situation. A friend who will remind us of our standing and a friend who will be there in an undying commitment as you go through it. Do you have that friend? Do you have that friend? Can you think of it? Do, they, do you have the name? Does it pop up in your mind? Have you been that friend for anybody? Are you that friend for someone else? To where you could say, those four activities I am modeling for that person. These are basically a discipleship kind of questions. Are, are you discipling someone and are you making yourself available to be discipled? Well, as often as is the case, things get worse before they get better. Let's look to the next section where we will see that God finally does come through for David with his mighty hand. Um, how might God come through for us in times of desperate need? Well, he comes through for us sometimes through the word of a godly friend if we have them in our lives. And he comes through for us through the mighty hand of God himself. He can use his mighty hand to come through for you as well. And I want you to see that starting in verse 19. Pray for me because there's a lot of names of cities in this section. All right. Then the Ziphites went to Saul at Gebeah saying, Is not David hiding among us in the strong hordes of Horash on the hill of Hachila, which is south of Jessamun? How you doing, my man? Good. Jessamon, I'm doing I'm Jessamon. Jessamon, I'm doing good. That's what my mind does, I'm sorry. Um, ADD brain. Uh, now, come down, O king, according to your heart's desire uh, to, uh, to come down, and our pouch shall be to surrender him to king's hands. Hey, we know where he is. We'll give him to you. And Saul said, may you be blessed by the Lord, for you have made, uh, for you have compassion on me. Go and yet make more sure. Know the place where his foot is and who is seen there. And, and for it is told to me that he's very cunning. And so therefore, take note of all the lurking places 
places that he hides, and come back with, uh, to me with this sure information. And then they, uh, then I will go with you, and if he's in the land, I will search him among the thousands of the Judah. And he, uh, they arose and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men uh, in the wilderness were in the wilderness of Maon in the Arabah to the south of Jessamine. And Saul and his men went to seek him, and David was told, so he went down to the rock and lived there in the, in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David and went to the wilderness of Maon. And Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain, and David was hurrying to get away from Saul, and Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them. Right then, a messenger came from Saul, came to Saul, saying, Hurry, come, the Philistines have made a raid against the land. And so Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, the place was called the Rock of what? Escape, because David was able to escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Injedi, which is the place of the ancestors of Luke Skywalker. How might God come through for us in times of desperate need? Well, God can use his mighty hand as well. Just, just so you know, if you're wondering how God moves in your life, he, he'll come through the voice of a godly friend often, somebody to mentor you, to coach you, to help you through it, and then God often comes through with his mighty hand as well. Here the Ziphites have come up with a plan to surrender David to Saul. Hey, we know where he is. He's, he's hanging out in our land. We can get him for you, Saul is the idea. And so they say, hey, come up with a plan. We'll, we'll, we'll present you his head on a platter. Saul says, well, that's all well and good, but how about we do this? Would you become my department of reconnaissance? Would you go and observe everything he does, everywhere he is, like take pictures and video for me so we can know exactly his whereabouts, track his position, find out who is he associated with, how many people are there, how many of them are armed, Go and observe the different places that he stays because any smart fugitive would know that he needs to keep on moving. So find the different caves that he hangs out in, build a daily journal of events for me. And what they find is that he's hiding out in Arabath, which is south of Jessamon. Now here's the thing, Arabath means wasteland and Jessamon means desolate wilderness. So clearly, David is hanging out where all the people are at, he said sarcastically. No, he's on the run where nobody's at. He's hiding out on hillsides and in between trees where it'd be hard to attack him. He, he, he's, he's building out caves for himself. He, far from the palace living that he used to have, he's in Nowheresville in the will of God. Sometimes, the will of God takes you to Nowheresville, where you're hiding and maybe wondering, am I really in the will of God? There's some deep ironies of our narrative, like Saul describes David as being very cunning. Did you catch that? Watch him, because he's very cunning. And yet, who's being the cunning one in this narrative? Well, Saul, he's trying to turn these Ziphites into his reconnaissance department. Secondly, Saul pronounces a blessing from the Lord onto these people for having compassion on him. Does anybody see the irony in this? 
Hey, I'm praying blessings on you. I pronounce blessings on you for you've had compassion towards me and my situation as I try to enact my murderous plot on an innocent man. You've had compassion on me. I pray the Lord blesses you so that I can murder. The ironies are thick in this section. You know what that shows us? Sometimes our sin can blind us to the obvious. Man, hear that. Sometimes your sin can just blind you to what is plain, stakingly obvious to everyone else. How can you ask God's blessing onto a crew that you're hoping will help you murder somebody? That's counterintuitive. It's upside down, it's backwards. But our sin can blind us so far that we think that is actually something that can work that way. Well, God comes through in this time and thwarts the plan. Here you have the Ziphites, kind of a negative, positive relationship. Uh, Not this one where we're going to get you, David, and put his head on a platter, but this side over here where God says, no, I'm going to thwart that whole plan. Saul is hot on the trail of David. All kinds of reconnaissance information has come in. The trap is set. He's literally on the opposite side of the mountain where David is on. David's running away from him, trying to... Uh, uh, elude this battle where he could potentially have to kill the king or tell his men to kill. That's not going to work. I'm trying to avoid killing him and let God put me in my place when he wants to. I don't want to be part of that part of it. He's cornered on, on all sides, and that's when God comes through for David. How many of you had a situation where it seems like God came through just in the nick of time? Anybody? Yeah, that's what this situation is for David. And here God uses an enemy of Israel to attack such that Saul has to leave his vendetta for a day and go deal with that rather than attack David. He's got David cornered on all sides. Ironically enough, he can't find David, but his son was able to find him. And even as he's got him cold on all sides, God says, oh, no, no, I'm sovereign. (laughs) I'm in control and he sends a messenger, look, the Philistines are attacking, you better go deal with that. And Saul turns around, says, better go deal with that, I'll leave my vendetta for another day. And in the process, Jonathan proves to turn out that everything he said is true. He will not find you because God won't let him. And you will be king because God said so. He won't be able to take you out. David, I came to tell you, he will not find you, God won't let him. And you will be king because my dad will not be able to take you out. And that's exactly what happens within like 13 verses of Jonathan Satan. And so we see that God provides David with a friend who encourages him, even exhorts him in the Lord to look to God. He's got you. He's got this. And then God comes through for David, which brings us to the big idea. It takes availing yourself to Christian relationships in order to receive an encouraging word from the Lord. It takes availing yourself, making yourself present with other Christians, authentic Christian relationships, so that you can get the word from God that you want so much. There are going to be times in your life where you can't see which way, I I feel like I'm in the right way, but it's so foggy and it's back and forth and all this, it's just, tumultuous. Am I heading in the right direction? And it's going to take 
a, a friend, a, a godly friend who can see through all the fog and just say, yes, you're on the right track or you're on the wrong track. And it takes you availing yourself of that relationship so you can get that advice. Some of us are better at giving that advice and being there for someone else than we are ready to receive the advice or allow somebody to be there for us. In fact, I find the ones who are so good and so, so good at being there for someone else are often ones who can't let anybody be there for, them, for themselves. And, and I don't quite understand that. How can you be so good at something and then not let somebody be there for you? But sometimes we're built that way. It takes availing yourself of a Christian relationship in order to receive an encouraging word from God. Often, God, before he moves on your behalf, will send a messenger or a mentor to your situation. Someone who has been there and done that. Someone who has... Uh, uh, who can see the spiritual lesson behind whatever it is you're going through, when all you see is all the circumstances around you, they can see the spiritual lesson. They, they get beyond the temporal situation. They can see what God's doing. Someone who may have drawn on their own personal experiences and share what God was doing with them in their moments so they can encourage you in your moment. And since these are all people who are highly in tune with God, if you don't have significant relationships with other God-fearing Christians, you may not have access to this kind of mentorship. Let me ask you a question. Who do you hang around? Who hangs around you? Who do you know the best, and who knows you the best? And do you have anybody that fits the bill that what we're talking about today in your life? Who encourages you, no matter what the circumstances are, to follow Christ. And if all those people that are close to you and know you the best aren't believers, then aren't you subject to these kind of messages? Man, just divorce her. Just rid yourself. Man, you need to fight for your rights, man. It's America. Get yourself a lawyer. Litigate. And sometimes that stuff is necessary. Don't get me wrong, depending on the situation. But it's much different than, hey, I think this is what God is doing in your life right now. And you need to look to him and stare at him and walk towards Jesus. And I'm not sure how the circumstances will pan out, but as long as you're walking toward Jesus, I promise you, you'll be on the right path to the will of God. Do you hear the difference in the suggestion, in the advice that you might get? It takes availing yourself to Christian relationships in order to receive that word from God that you so much desire. Let me see if I can paint this picture in a way that's very, very practical. I've been in ministry now for some 25 years in some fashion, or, or and whether it's part-time or full-time, um, intern, uh, pastorate. All of it's been similar in the sense that we've been shepherding people for all these years. And, and I've come to, to understand something that I would call just a man meeting, like a man-on-man meeting. I've had several of these man meetings over the years. Me as a man meeting with another man talking together as we're striving to walk towards Jesus together. Several of them. I mean, I, I, you could even maybe say hundreds of them over the years. And they work this way. Meetings where I feel like God has um, purposed me with encouraging or exhorting or challenging or setting a plan for God's vision in their life. Like God's plan. God has a plan throughout this difficulty. They go like this. You may be losing your job right now, but God has equipped you with a great and unique gift and ability, and, 
And I don't know where God's going to come through for you, but there, you will find a solution. And you will be able to provide for your family. And they will depend on you. And you will persevere. You know why? Because that's how God has made us, men, with broad shoulders. That, that we, we carry the load with our shoulders. That's why God gave you those broad shoulders, to be the pillar that holds up the entire house for your family. So you're going to stand in the midst of this difficulty. Other times, you may feel like there's no end in sight to the conflict with your spouse, but God has placed you in that situation. You are exactly the man for that job. She needs you to love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself his life up for her. Ephesians chapter 5. And so you're going to love her, even willing to give up your life for her, your preferences. That's the leadership that we find in Christian men who follow after Christ. Not a usurping authority, but a sacrificial loving authority. That's who you're going to be. Why? Because that's why God gave you the broad shoulders. To be like the pillar that holds up the entire house of your marriage. Stand and hold it up. That's what you're going to do. Other times, you may be losing your marriage right now, and God, yet God has still placed you there to be the rock for your children. If no one else in the world shows them what it looks like to run towards Jesus when life is shattering with despair and disappointments, you will. That's why God's given you the broad shoulders, to be the person like a pillar holding up the entire spiritual house for your children and your job is to stand there and hold it up. Use those shoulders for the kingdom of God. You keep on walking towards Jesus no matter what the, what the circumstances are. You keep on dead set in the crosshairs. You see him on the cross and I'm walking towards it. And I don't care what happens. My kids will watch me walk towards it. Why? because he's giving you the broad shoulders. And those broad shoulders are there. Hold it up, and you're going to stand. You will not move. I wish I could promise you that the job will you get a better job, and it'll pay you double. I wish I could promise you that the, that the conflict with your spouse would end, and one day it's just going to be glorious and harmonious. I wish I could promise you that he or she would, would change their mind, and the marriage will be able to be restored. I can't promise any of that, but I can promise you there's a way to honor God in the midst of all of it, no matter what happens. You can still honor your God. You know what I was doing in those situations and had the privilege of doing over the years. I feel like a messenger from God, encouraging, exhorting, and challenging. You know what I was challenging? You need to deal from your have to. Deal from your have to. And you may get nothing else out of that have to except for glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day, we transition from this place and you stand before him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And that makes it all worth it. That's why you deal from you have to. Guys, it's not a silly baseball game. The stakes are higher. It's life. But if you don't have those relationships in place, if you don't have those mentors in place, if you don't have those godly friends in place, if you don't have those spiritual coaches in place in your life, then where will you heal that voice? If you don't avail yourself of the Christian relationships, 
then you may not get that encouraging, exhortive word from God that you so need. Sometimes it takes a godly friend outside of your situation to show you what they think God's doing in your life. Do you have that friend? Do you have that friend? I'm thankful I have men in this church who are that friend for me. And I've been able to be the friend for you. And I wish everybody in this church had that because it's truly meaningful. It helps you live life and get through the difficulty when somebody's reminding you, don't forget God in that situation. Remember, he's still there. Remember that he's got you. Let's walk this together. I'm committed to you. You're committed to me. You know, in a, in a fitter irony here, we actually are pursuing growth group signups right now. I wish I could say that I planned it all just perfectly, and that makes me sound a lot smarter than it really, than it really was. This is God doing this. If you want that friend, there's a vehicle in this church. You can hit that table. Can I get connected with people in this church, somebody outside of my normal, everyday life, somebody who loves me and loves Jesus, and over time will encourage me to walk towards Jesus? You need that in your life. If you don't have it, avail yourself of that opportunity to the glory of God. Well, why don't you close your eyes with me and let's pray together. Are you in the funk right now where you're having to deal from your have to? And are you having to do it alone? Because if you are, that's not how God made this. That's not his strategy. His strategy is for you to have other people in your life. I'd love to pray for you if that's where you're at. And if you're new to our church and you're new to this God thing, I would tell you that living life alone is hard. I would encourage you to place your faith in Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection, so that everything you've done that's contrary to the will of God and, and the glory of God would be taken care of on the cross. That God would give you the righteousness of his son, that you don't have to have your own righteousness. Take your sin and place it on the cross. And let that substitution atone for your sin. Place your faith in him. Start walking towards Jesus. Get yourself some friends around you who love Jesus, and you will experience living life in a way that you've never experienced before. Not needing that Friday night, not needing that weekend, not needing that vice to make you happy. God can make you happy. It's available to you. Father, we love you. I pray, I really do pray, Lord, that everybody in this room and a part of this church would have that friend, that Jonathan friend, who is there to say, God's still sovereign. He's got your back. Don't you forget you're standing before God, and I will walk through this with you. And if they don't, I pray that they would run towards failing themselves of the opportunity of living life with someone else. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor David, for that message. You know, we're, um, as Christians, we're living in a world that's messed up. And oftentimes we're being called to live Jesus's way and not the world's way. And I don't know where you're at. Um, I know there's a lot of places in 
spiritually where you can be. You can be over here and you're just not even a follower. You're just here checking this out. You can be in this church today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but you're kind of living the world's way. You're playing in Satan's backyard and not God's backyard. Or maybe you're here and you're sold out for Christ and you're living God's way. I would encourage you today, no matter where you're at, to take a step towards Jesus. He wants to forgive you. He wants to, and you need to trust him for your salvation, for forgiveness of your sins. Trust him with your life and take that next step towards him. Maybe for you, that looks like joining a small group, finding that friend who can encourage you. Maybe it's you're taking your first step towards Jesus. And if that's where you're at, we wanna be part of that. We wanna know. So could you let us know by going to the welcome counter in the lobby and letting us know that you would like to, to turn towards Jesus and trust him with your salvation and begin following him. Um, as long as we're movement and towards God, we're going the right way. All right. All right. Uh, we're going to receive an offering. It's one of the ways we, uh, uh, we worship the Lord here together. And there's three ways to participate, as you can see on your screen. Um, this is how all ministry is supported here. And thank you for your generosity. It's a very generous church, and I'm grateful to be a part of it. All right, before you go, let's check out what's coming up next at CAMCC. Hi CAMCC, I'm Miranda Morris and I am part of the high school ministry at CAMCC. We meet on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. You should come check it out. If today is your first time with us, we're glad you're here. If it's your second time, I'm so glad you're back. If you are a first time guest, we have a $5 Starbucks gift card for you. Fill out our connection card and take it to the welcome counter in the lobby or scan this QR code with your phone's camera and let us know you filled it out digitally. Also add how we can be praying for you as well. If this is your second visit, let us know at the counter and you'll get a $10 gift card to In-N-Out Burger. We will also invite you to our all-you-can-eat dessert with our pastors, elders, and staff. Online viewers go to campcc.net slash next steps to go through the guest process. Sunday, January 14th, 3.30 to 5 p.m. First Impressions Team Dessert. Are you looking for a place to serve? We need you. As construction begins, it is crucial that we have enough volunteers to welcome and guide our guests. Show up at the video venue at 3.30 p.m. to learn more or email kelly at campcc.net for info. The week of January 21st, growth groups begin. If you are looking for a way to connect with other people at CAMCC on a smaller scale for just eight weeks, this is an amazing way to do life together. Sign up today. Childcare is available. Email lisa at campcc.net for more info. Saturday, January 27th, 3 to 5 p.m., recipe exchange for young families. Bring your family's favorite recipes of the video venue to share, enjoy a craft, devotion, and free play. For more info, contact Chelsea at youngfamilies.camcc.net. Saturday, January 27th, 6 to 8 p.m. Join us in the Activity Center as we honor Pastor Jim Moyer's 21 years of service to the Lord and find out about his next steps in ministry. Please RSVP no later than January 19th to michelle at camcc.net. Sunday, January 28th, One Voice Worship Night. Come worship with us and several other churches as we take communion together and pray for our city as one church here at CAMCC. To stay in the loop of what is going on at CAMCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, go to CAMCC.net. My name is Chelsea Hernandez, and this is Paul, and um, I help oversee the Young Families Ministry here. In fact, our next event um, is on January 27th from 3 to 5 in the video venue. Be sure you're bringing a copy 
of um, your family's favorite recipe, and I'll have copies for you guys all to take home. Um, God really touched me today with the reminder of how important godly friends are. Um, I know my life has been transformed by the godly friendships I've made here. So if you're lacking that in your life, I would really encourage you to get plugged in. Um, if you need prayer this morning, there will be a prayer team up front ready to pray with you. Do not forget to grab coffee and donuts and invite someone to join you next week. And we'll see you then.